another deep dive episode of Hell in a Cell Phone, the podcast where we attempt to make sense of the Attitude Era of WWE 20 years later. I'm your host, as always, Aaron Benoit, and joined, as always, by our wrestling historian, Bobby Hankinson. Hello, hello. And experiencing this all for the first time, Eric Silver. Happy to be on the podcast uh, that is now in the quadrology of the ministry. Yeah, and that's true. We are now at the climax of the ministry story. So just as a reminder, we are coming off of the Over the Edge pay-per-view. The Undertaker has won the belt. Austin has been screwed over by Shane. And we start the May 31st episode with the Druids carrying in the Undertaker symbol. And I just, I want to put out like a... uh, um, I guess like an HR video to any wrestlers out there. If you're employing faceless uh, people to carry out any task, just check real quick and make sure that they're not your enemy. Yeah, look under the hood. You know, what's funny is we'll be talking about so many HR guidelines in this episode. <laughs> this is just the first, by the time we finish, we will have an entire recommendation for OSHA uh, to take <laughs> over the World Wrestling Federation. Um, okay, so the weird thing about this here is that this is not a coronation of The Undertaker as a champion. This is... a a bigger tease to the identity of the greater power. And they are very, very specific about using that exact wording. Almost every time the greater power, almost, 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 almost Almost. higher power. (laughs) Yeah. I was, I was definitely, uh, in a higher power state, um, when watching this. So I was Mm -hmm. getting very confused back and forth as they kept switching. Cause they were saying greater. I feel like with more, um, Michael Cole, it's a symbol energy, mm-hmm. uh, but higher power just crept in there repeatedly because that's what they've been saying for the last I don't know three months. Has it? Because now it's it, it's messing in my brain, and I'm like, oh, so it's always been greater power. That's the the official tagline. But this is the Berenstein Bears. <laughs> yeah, this is what WWE wants. They want you to feel it, they they're gaslighting us. The the summary of the episode kept saying greater or you know said greater power, but they definitely were referring to it as a higher power leading up to this, and throughout this sometimes off and on. Yeah, yeah, they got confused too. At perhaps at like the most important moment, they were confused about this. Um, they- well, what you know, what's a moment? <laughs> you know, well, if you ask me, I think the, one of the most important moments is I believe Midian got a fake nose ring at some point. <laughs> That to me, this is the ministry opening the show, and Midian is there. We get a real tight shot of that face, and there's a nose ring that I do not think was placed there by the Lord. You know what I mean? Like I don't. It seemed like a clip on that he got at like Pacific Sunwear. It was a greater power that put it in, <laughs> or was it a higher power? Um, we'll never know. Yeah, we actually we uh we've talked about Midian's nose ring before. All I know is the Undertaker lost an eyebrow ring and Midian gained a nose ring. You know it's the same piece. Yes. 100%. It's going to, and you know what? The nose ring is going to reject Midian. It's like Midian is actually too toxic for the ring. The Undertaker's going to be like, listen, you literally drank a goblet of my actual blood. Take my eyebrow ring. (laughs) 
and there are there are like 15 people in the ministry at this point the ring is full and they're listening to the fact so phase one according to the undertaker (laughs) become become, undertaker has a corporate strategy and we're in phase one and then we'll be in phase two phase three is when the avengers comes out (laughs) But wait, there's one more thing. Yeah, this whole thing felt like the ministry's like WWDC. You know what I mean? Like they were going to announce a new iPhone at the end. <laughs> but phase one, become the WWF champion. Phase two, deliver Austin mind, body, and soul. Um, Still don't understand what that means. Phase, like... phase three, profit. No? <laughs> yeah. No, phase four is profit. Phase three is question mark, question mark, question mark. Uh, he also, like, Undertaker sounds a lot like a Jehovah's Witness during this. He keeps talking about, like, how he, he wants him to meet his Lord and Savior. And guiding like, light. Yeah, and I'm like, well, okay, but I thought, like, the ministry is all about, like, you know, evil and darkness. So what's he saving him from? And it it's going to be even it's even more confusing when you when you take the reveal into it as far as what anyone means with any of this nonsense. So, yes. Well, so speaking of speaking of nonsense, out comes Vince McMahon. <laughs> oh my god! Everything Vince says sounds like he wants to fuck Undertaker. I, I was like, it's like I'm gonna get me some. Ugh. It felt like what the fuck, dude. I don't know if this is a real thing. I'm re- I don't know if this is a real thing that exists in pop culture that I'm referencing, if this is a real thing, but it feels like a video game in the style of GTA made by a studio in Japan that doesn't know how the English language truly works. And that's what this promo <laughs> felt like. The way he like pointed his finger to emphasize things and the way he, and and also the things that he said were, were like almost right, almost properly spoken, but very strange. Do, do you think, by the way, that, like, Vince... I feel like Vince is, has a very um, specific way of pointing where he points with two fingers and not with one. And I, want, I, w- I wonder if that's, like, like the old, like, carny showman in him where he's like, they can't see one finger from too far away. We gotta, we gotta have two fingers. I, I should hold my whole fist out and point at him. <laughs> You know, like, or is it just like, what is the, what is the point of the two finger point? Well, it's weird. I don't know. I think a lot of the attitude error is based on the, the notion that two fingers are better than one. <laughs> Ew. Both, both on screen and backstage. <laughs> so Vince books a match. He says that, uh, that Stone Cold is going to have his chance to get his title back against the Undertaker tonight. But Shane says, oh, no, no, no. In order for that to happen, you, Vince McMahon, need to defeat The Undertaker with no help from the back. I mean, this is the first of what is basically going to repeat week after week of these promos where, like, ah, ha, 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 but my shares have vested. And therefore, <laughs> tonight, Ken Shamrock will face the security guard in a pool of pudding. And if he shall win, then the match will be for the championship. And if he shall lose, then you shall do it blindfolded. And if you win that match, and that's what every single fucking week of this was like. And I'm like, I don't know what's yes. happening. 
Like, it was such complicated booking, I wanted to scream. <laughs> and it started with this, because even here, he's like, Vince is like, well, I own half of this company. And Shane's like, well, I own half of this company. And I was like, okay, so I believe we're deadlocked. It's not that you get to pick the stipulation. Like, this is not how half works. I'm like, so the whole thing was so annoying to me. Uh, Yeah, no, I felt like part of this is like, it, you know, it almost sounds like uh, the... Like when they hire new people, like the HR package, and they're like, "Okay, and so we're gonna you'll you'll get your insurance, but only after you have this match, and uh, then your PTA your PTO days eventually will come to you, but you'll have to face Big Boss Man." Yeah, <laughs> makes no sense. And you may set up a flex spending account, but only if you can beat <laughs> X Pac and Kane. <laughs> It, it made me in a kitchen pantry match. <laughs> it actually it made me so happy when the glass shattered and Austin was revealed to be a druid, and we could just end this nonsense. I also also Vince at one point says in Stone Cold's own words, <laughs> yes! Austin's gonna kick your ass. I'm like, none of those are his words. Oh my god! I also read that down. I was like, you know that famous proverb, "kick your ass," that Stone Cold Steve Austin came up with. The phraseology yes. of kicking one's ass. I was like, what the fuck? Austin1418 says. <laughs> like, what? Oh, I also like. Wait, I liked this promo when Vince. Because Vince finished what he has to say and left. And what I liked about this is that Shane kept talking to Vince, even though Vince was no longer on the ramp. Uh, but Shane was, like, addressing <laughs> him. It was as if, like, he was, like, watching him, uh, like, pretending the other person hasn't hung up on the phone yet. And he's like, and, and, and that's right. And another thing. Uh, it was very funny to me. Uh, so, uh, Union comes out to Stone Cold's aid. And then we go backstage where Austin is very mad that the Union helped him. I think he was kind of, uh, yeah, he, he couldn't get, get out of those sleeves, so he was angry. He was frustrated. <laughs> I know I wrote Undertaker and Shane Powwow, but I like I'm like, why do they need to like sit and, and discuss things? Yeah, uh, yeah, I have Undertaker says words to Shane as well. <laughs> <laughs> says words. Uh so we have the match Undertaker versus Vince. Um Okay, I, I have a comment here. Do you guys uh-huh. watch Nailed It on Netflix? Uh, I have. Uh, sometimes. Did you see the one, do you happen to see the episode of Nailed It where Jason Manzukis is the guest and he keeps saying, thick cakes, and like, they keep playing it like that? So, nope. No. Something about Undertaker's gear and, this, and this, these few weeks, he's looking like bloated. And it looks like the gear he's wearing looks like a girdle? Like, it's kind of like, it, it just looks very strange, uh, and especially in this match. And I just have a big note that says, Thick Take. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's sure. extremely <laughs> specific. Hey. I, and it landed. It landed, you know? Thank you. Thank you. I'm doing, like, a gymnastics pose right now in my bed. <laughs> um, yeah, Vince lands a low blow during the match. Uh, and then Taker is able to fight back despite the low blow because, according to JR, he is so diabolical and so evil that apparently uh, it overrides pain to his testicles. <laughs> so I, I had a question about Vince's uh, – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use scare quotes here – strategy 
in getting the Undertaker DQ'd. But also, I'm like, well, given what comes later, like, is there, is it worth asking the question? Like, does anything mean anything? Wow. This is how I felt about my entire life, like, two weeks ago. Like, what's the point of anything? And that's basically how you feel now about the ministry. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, okay, so he gets Taker DQ'd. I, I, I don't know how. I don't even know how you plan for that. Like, I'm going to make sure he hits that ref. Oh, man, it's going to be beautiful. In the world of this, just to, or in the world of this moment, are we to believe that Vince McMahon has a plan or that his, his thought is, I will just overcome the World Wrestling Federation champion through sheer pluck? I don't know, but I also don't really understand why Vince keeps inserting himself into wrestling matches. Like, he's not a wrestler. He shouldn't, he shouldn't wrestle. It's weird. It's, it's a weird thing to be like, to keep hitting that button of, man, it, hopefully Vince can pull this off against the biggest monster in the WWE. <laughs> like, why? But I mean, we also, what we know about Vince McMahon's ego, and I, I'm thinking about certain stories, uh, one involving a plane that we'll get into on a later episode, where Vince McMahon just really wants to wrestle with the boys. Like that's it's almost like Vince McMahon started or or like continued his father's legacy just because he wants to wrestle with the big boys. Well, if you believe Bruce Pritchard, uh, he always seems to suggest that Vince does not like the spotlight. That actually, while he obviously loves you know making money and and showbiz, he doesn't like it to be about him. I, and at, at, I they they give the caveat that that is that sounds hard to believe, and I agree that does sound hard to believe. But yes, I would feel very remiss. Hard to <laughs> I feel remiss to not just say it because it's something that I it's information that, I have. I would like you to have it too. You might say that sounds like somebody who uh, has an interest in maybe being hired by WWE again and uh, wants to you know maintain a, a friendly working relationship with that company and with Vince McMahon. Potentially. Who knows? I don't know, Dave Meltzer. I guess we'll have to find out. (laughs) (laughs) But either way, this match leads to my favorite moment in all of the episodes that we watched for this. Where Shane just goes apeshit destroying the backstage area. (laughs) Yep. Yep. He throws a chair against the wall. He throws a salad bowl. He throws a chafing dish. He throws an entire bottle of champagne. And all while this is happening, Viscera and Midian are just doing the full Boris Karloff Frankenstein. Like, I'm trying to reach you to stop you, but apparently these two monsters from hell cannot <laughs> stop him. Viscera, a 500-pound man. <laughs> Cannot stop the irate son of a billionaire. Literally, Vi- I'm also very confused. What were you going to say, Bobby? I was like, Viscera could stop an SUV if he had to. <laughs> and meanwhile, Viscera has the biggest smile on his face while this whole thing is happening. Like, he's like, I know I'm supposed to be playing concerned, but it's very, very fun for me to watch this kid destroy everything. Also, she- I think Viscera's got it right because, like, I don't understand. Like, if I was in the ministry and and Shane was like breaking apart a room, I'd be like, "Cool, let's join in." Like, I, why are they like, "Oh, we we must keep decorum in the uh, at the crafts food and services table"? It's because HR talks to them and it's like, "Look, guys, we all love evil, but we got to make sure that we keep the the place better looking than the way that we found it, yeah. so that we're invited." Back. Yeah, ministry. Th- this is how we get ants. 
I also love that every time Shane did anything in that room, he just yelled fuck really loud and as long as he could. Like, he was like, fuck! 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 Just, like, over and over again. For, like... And again, that, that segment was, like... There was, like, a match in between. So I feel like he was just supposed to be, what, throwing things and screaming fuck for, like, 15 minutes straight? For undirected. a very long time. <laughs> just, like, staring at, like, those little cheese bits on the crackers and just, like, thinking and, and like, just fucking steaming. Which, honestly, couldn't we all use 15 minutes to just throw everything against the wall and scream fuck? They have places where you can do that. I don't know about now in the coronavirus. They do. But I, the, many of your real housewife have, have gone there on a group trip. Yeah. There, there are also dates on The Bachelor. On oh, the Bachelorette. Yeah, I can see that. Because they're kind of like um, uh, escape rooms. Like They're like a, 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 a trend that... Uh, like cuts a bunch of sweetheart deals with all of these reality shows because they have like it has like built in conflict. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right, they're like, we want you to think about the guy who dumped you and go to town. And this is our the the whole date is like this woman thinking about the the man who dumped her in the finale on her date with a new person. And it's like, oh, isn't this therapeutic? Isn't this fun? In Real Housewives, it's always like one Real Housewife who's like. It's been a rough three weeks with all of us accusing each other of, like, alcoholism and, like, drunk driving. So I thought it'd be good to get the gals together to work together on a project. You know what I mean? It's always, like, <laughs> to teach us about, like, collaborating. It's like, oh, and you then meanwhile, her of murder. And then meanwhile, they, they all get really drunk and they pile into a car and drive over. Right. Uh, what's her face? Um, uh, who's the one who's, like, uh, oh, fuck. Who's the one who's like been who who was like dancing on the mirror and broke it? Sonia Morgan. Sonia, yeah. Sonia just like takes a shit in the middle of the room. She is the sloppiest of the drunks. I love her. I love her so much. But because Vince was able to uh, win by disqualification earlier, um, Austin gets his match for the title later that night, which. For the most part, it's a better match than the one at Over the Edge. Probably doesn't need to be said, though. It's the same bullshit, though. It's like, it's like, run in, brawl, 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 brawl. And then it's like a scurry finish. It's like, I'm so over this. Though I did like the beginning where, you know, they're so, like, hot to fight each other that Austin runs in really quick, but before Undertaker can get him, he, like, scoots, kind of like the Baron Corbin move, like, outside the ring. I thought that was, like, a fun, high-energy way to start the match uh that got me kind of excited in the beginning i i thought like i thought the story of the match was a lot different from over the edge like in terms of how vulnerable undertaker was in over the edge versus how powerful he was in this match it was just like uh you know it's kind of like it's like if you have like um you know two fights between batman and and the joker and like in one in one fight you kind of like forget that the joker is just like much weaker and has no training compared to batman and in the other fight he's just like the absolute equal of batman you know what i mean like they 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 really they really kind of like deflate the undertaker when it serves their purpose uh even when undertaker is supposed to win the belt it's like he can't win by by himself but uh when uh, you know when he has to defend it holy shit don't don't you can't have to you have to pry it from his uh cold dead death valley hands 
By the way, you also there was a part that you kind of jumped over. Mm-hmm. Did you? There was a scene where the Undertaker is talking to the higher authority. Oh yeah, the greater authority. He's in a in a dark room with like a single light on his face. With a single cameraman. Like, he and the cameraman are hanging out, and he's just going, I will not fail you. I will I will serve you. It's just, I'm like, what is this? Like, it, it, you know, it, it goes back to something we've talked about before, which is, like, they really play fast and loose with, like, the fourth wall existing or not existing. Right. Okay. Uh, so the match goes on to the point where um... – Austin um, hits the stunner, but Paul Bearer pulls the ref out of the ring, and the Ministry attacks. And the Ministry attacks by tying Austin up in the ring ropes. And then we have a super long moment with Gregorian Chance and the greater power strolling ever so casually down to the ring to get into Austin's face. Yeah, I mean, I felt like I listened to that Pure Moods album for so long. It was yep, it just yep. went on forever yep. because I guess like he probably really couldn't see in that robe, <laughs> and so I saw him going very like slowly down the ramp. Like, don't look up, don't look up, <laughs> don't look up. Uh, ugh. And then Austin though like really gave us some like faceography. I don't know what you would call it. Like really like strong facial expressions to like sell the shock of the least shocking thing. That also I guess. <laughs> I guess what Austin kept it a secret for a week. Like, like he knew who the higher power, yeah. greater power was, and nobody asked, and there was no follow up. He didn't yell his name or try to re- reveal him or anything. Well, except terrible, yeah, <laughs> terrible decision. Except no, I disagree. Uh, I I had well, the exact yeah. same thought. Except they actually do take the time to explain that going forward. But no, also, like. There are, like, house shows and stuff on the in-between that there's a lot of suspension of disbelief to be like, well, you mean you're not going to – no, you're not bringing it up? Oh, okay. Okay. But also, like, is it that interesting to be like Austin – like, to have the dramatic irony of, like, Austin knows something the audience doesn't know. Woo, tune in. and But, like, because, like, when we get to the next week – like he he wants to have this big reveal, but like it's already deflated because we already like you know what I mean. Like all of his whole speech, we'll get to that, but his whole speech is basically addressing you know that moment that Austin has that is private where he's you know going he's going crazy and and can't believe it and he's and he's freaking out. I mean, it's just such a weird like I mean. I I think it's because they knew it's not a payoff really of anything that like it's not it wasn't even worth having like the live reaction of like show show Vince's face and watch you know watch Austin go crazy I don't know Eric, or maybe they Eric, want to give themselves an out Eric spoilers we still haven't revealed who the, the greater power oh is. sorry yes. I don't know. Um, Remove the hood of the masked authority. Well, how about this? At this point, Eric, who did you think was under the hood? <laughs> I, I knew. Okay, so you knew going you knew going into this because you had seen something. Or plus, like, you know, it's, it is hard to avoid. Yeah. Uh, it's very hard to avoid. I saw the um, – there. I, I've always – like, I, I, I had seen the gif of, you know, of the it was me all along – or whatever yeah. with the maniacal face, and I was just like, "Well, I, I know where this is going." But I feel like so, when I watched this live, I didn't know. 
I mean, I guess also, I think when I watched this live, they didn't know. So uh, <laughs> that's what I was wondering. If they, did they want to give themselves an out? And yeah, and so so to go back into into the Wayback Machine twenty years ago, Aaron and, and Bobby, maybe the same thing. I remember them touting for this episode that the greater power would be revealed. And so yeah. staying up till 11 o'clock on a school night and uh, waiting to see wait, so that we could talk about it the next day in school or whatever. Um, and then it ends on some bullshit like this. But then I also know that I'm definitely going to be tuning in next week because next week they have to finally reveal who the greater power is yeah i mean i was definitely like intrigued and looped into this mystery i was like very invested because again we've been building onto this for months months and months i mean we know because we've been watching this is our quadrology uh so yeah this has been a lot of build-up but and i i wasn't um i definitely wasn't as big a fan as you were back in 1999 bobby did you have ideas as far as who it was I really didn't because also like I was such a mark like I literally because uh-huh. I was I was a child and so like I was just like I mean I knew it wasn't a real ministry of darkness and mm-hmm. uh, I knew that he wasn't like sacrificing people and whatever but uh, I I didn't like understand like the storytelling and the stuff that went into the went into that so and I think neither did they so. <laughs> well truly I mean I think we when we talk we should have the reveal momentarily we could talk a little bit about some other theories and, and, and alternate histories uh so yeah so let's go to the june 7th episode of raw where tonight the greater power will be revealed but like really this time i loved i loved the when when uh, jr and lawler were going over the possible uh greater power suspects because uh, it was like could it be Shawn Michaels? And I'm like, okay, that's a that's an interesting one. Could it be a member oh, of wait, the McMahon family? Wait, let's let's well, what, can we go through those uh, each of those individually? Because I I kind of want to think about like what kind of like the alternate history of these things could be. Ooh ooh, like Clue. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, so Shawn Michaels, I don't know, I I I don't see him fitting into this, but I I don't see vince fitting into this either so i could see that working sean sean michaels uh at the top of his game forced to retire because of a lost smile like turns to the dark Mm -hmm. side and like needs to always was the guy behind the scenes pulling the strings and uh always was like machiavellian in terms of like you know use some of the 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 mix a little bit of the reality in of how Mm -hmm. he squashed people and whatever and this is his big move to finally really seize control for the glory he'll never be able to recapture Hire but also, how would he get? How would he get Undertaker? How would he get Undertaker to like follow him? Well, no matter. I think all of these are predicated on the fact that Undertaker is an idiot, right? Like for any of these <laughs> plans to work, he's like a big, dumb, easily manipulated idiot, right? He's got to be. And then you look like down the line to like this or an idiot who can like honestly can't even process human emotions like in a way that makes sense. <laughs> so I, I just think that like that's what also sucks the the juice out of this is that any kind of explanation has to boil down to these guys are dumb as fuck. Well, I yes. think I think the only thing that works is if there's someone more evil and stronger in some way. So I think Jake Roberts could have worked in this in a drastic rebranding 
of his character as just someone who has who tried to see the light but has become so overcome by darkness and now he wants to spread that darkness across the land and he has a vision for it and undertaker believes in that vision they'd have to do some real some real uh work to make that happen i mean i like it was an interesting theory because it's like oh man the like it's been jake all along he engineered this this uh this long play uh, of revenge. But God, like, again, when, you know, like when Jake the Snake basically was retired, he was just a shell. And again, I don't know, for anybody to want to follow him, it would have been interesting. I think it would be kind of closer to how Jake the Snake is in um, AEW now, right? But but exactly, I think you're you're proving my point there, Eric. Um, Yeah. I think that... um... Jake the Snake, to the very end, still got a huge pop just from doing the DDT every single time. And now we've got the the version of Jake the Snake that would that that would have worked in this position just 20 years later in a completely different promotion, managing an enormous guy who's, like, evil. Well, speaking of AEW and the ministry, you know who else was rumored to be the greater higher power who our good friend christopher daniels aw star oh okay wait who's christopher daniels he's we've had this conversation before he was also in secrets of wrestling mm-hmm. he's the bald guy one he is one of the bald guys in scu on uh aw at least he was last i was watching oh, okay. AEW. Uh, but he's been in the business since like the early 90s and he's still like doing moonsault and shit he's awesome but apparently, I you know some the the two you hear Jake the Snake thrown around as someone who was going to be. They say the Jackal was someone else that could have been the greater power or was slated to be at some point in time. But he was released, I believe, at the end of '98. But he was originally managing the Acolytes, so uh-huh. he had kind of like a cult like character. So I think there was some momentum there. But then it was going to be Christopher Daniels doing this fallen angel gimmick. Uh, and he would be the higher power, but uh, Vince thought he was too small, like physically small, uh, to like play off the Undertaker in a way that would be that he thought would be like effective. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't immediately put someone like someone over here. Instead, we're we're gonna do the same old bullshit. Well, I love you're too small. You know what? I, I'm gonna put myself in, <laughs> like. I probably I don't worry, I got this. I've got the physique. But before we get to the reveal, we go again with with the observation that Bobby said, All right, tonight I have fifty percent of <laughs> the World Wrestling Federation, and I will put up my fifty percent as long as you put up your fifty percent, and we will have a winner takes all match. That never is going to happen never was going to happen and doesn't further anything at all except maybe a misdirect and definitely um shane's suit jacket lapels here he could have gone hang gliding off of the top titan tron he <laughs> my, my little notes say my god shane's suit there's an exclamation point in the middle of that sentence i'm going to write on my hand before every single uh every single homework thing that i do for this podcast look at shane's outfit because i should know by now that bobby's gonna comment on it and i just didn't see it at all it's just so upsetting because it's so obviously what they think looks cool and it's so not that it's hilarious to me because he's definitely really trying 
Was this one like a tan suit with a black shirt? I think this one was the pinstripe one. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But okay. just like the lapels, the notches. I mean, it just looked insane. Yeah, well, look, the guy at the men's warehouse told him he was going to like the way he looked. <laughs> he guaranteed he, it. He guaranteed it. Well, especially if it's a sub-in as a sale on someone's schooner um, because this looked fucking crazy. <laughs> Backstage, Stone Cold Steve Austin is talking to somebody in a limousine. Still hasn't revealed what he saw the week before. Um, but Undertaker comes out and tells us that now the time is at hand. In the background, Viscera is nodding as though he's been in on all of the decisions <laughs> for the entire I know. time. I know. I'm like, Viscera, you're finding this out for the first time, too. Just back up. Also, the t- Taker says that he prophesied uh, that the that the greater authority would come. And I'm like, that just no, you're, that's not a prophecy. You just told us what you already knew was going to happen. He was on the call like, sheet. <laughs> right. Right. Like... Taker, you had the schedule. Like it is, it is the prophecy that he shall show up at eleven ten. I have, no, I no, have prophesied that we shall break for lunch at eleven forty five. But make sure you are clocked back in by twelve forty five, so we can Hair. start the meeting promptly at one. Hair and makeup. Union rules prophecy that I should take a. I need to take a five minute cigarette break every hour. Union rules. Was that Tester Shamrock who suggested that one? <laughs> Motherfucker. So the greater power, um, again, we've got the Gregorio. Oh, well, the greater- wait, before we get to that, one of the things I believe that was happening during this point is like, because like, I, I feel like wasn't Vince out and then Shane was out and Vince went back and Shane made a point to be like, well, Vince, while you're backstage, definitely not going to be in the arena in the ring wearing a robe watching this on TV again backstage. It was so obvious that I was like, what is the fucking Flintstone episode? Like, what are we? Yeah. Like well, the what, setup, it was so clunky here. Well, what happened was so the greater power makes his way to the ring is handed a microphone and then you hear Shane's voice talking yep. and then he comes out backstage and he's like da 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 not me um and then so dumb and then it goes to it goes to the video i want someone i want vince mcmahon to to be here for this and vince is like i uh, i am right where i need to be for Ugh. this to happen yeah it reminded me of uh that scene in total recall where like Arnold Arnold Schwarzenegger is like caught and they're gonna like scramble his brain again and they're like we want you to meet a friend and it's like it's Arnold Schwarzenegger talking to himself and being like now I need my mind back you know what I mean yeah you know what it is it's some straight up John Hammond Jurassic Park tour shit <laughs> yes and God, while we're DNA. while we're exactly exactly and while we're on the subject is the billionaire founder of jurassic park going to be on every single tour so that he could talk to himself on the video and it'll make sense he didn't really plan it out. i mean he also didn't plan out what happens when the dinosaurs go crazy <laughs> so <laughs> i would not say that like uh what is it that he has perfect 2020 vision he's a little short-sighted i like that aaron's concern is like do you know what the problem with jurassic park was internal communications (laughs) (laughs) 
right. Oh, man, this park was only supposed to work in one specific way. And if anything goes wrong, I will my tour will be completely messed. But really, isn't that the point? All right. If you don't have a tour, what do you have? Okay. Here it is. We're at the moment. It happens. We're finally the greater power lowers his hood. It's Vince McMahon saying, it's me, Austin. It was me all along, and you all bought it. Saying this to Steve Austin, who he had revealed himself to the week before. Yes. It's not, it's me, people. It's not me, dummies. It's me, Austin. Makes no sense. It makes no sense. If if, if Austin was there for that moment, that's when that makes sense. It doesn't make sense to be like, hey, remember that time that we talked, that I showed you who I was, a, you know, a week ago? Well, now now's the part where I get to gloat in it. Why? What? And so then he does his long list of thank yous. He thanks he thanks the key grip. He, th- he even thanks Midian. That's how many people he's thanking on this. There's what what wait Stephanie and Linda. What could you possibly be doing here besides wearing sensible Man. shoes? <laughs> I swear to God, Stephanie's shoes are should be its own like Instagram account. They are terrible it she looks like a centaur again like she's got... i mentioned that i'm also re-watching degrassi the next generation from the beginning uh i believe and so the fact it's the exact same moment in time that i'm taking the sample from and so i'm i'm literally seeing like pieces of fashion repeat and i'm like wow stephanie and fucking emma nelson or whatever on degrassi shop at the same limited too i guess I, yeah, I was wondering if there was those were like Steve Madden shoes. I don't know. They were terrible. Hideous. I did not notice them. Uh, how- By the way, uh, Vince Vince was saying he wanted to he was going to make life a living hell for Austin. I'm like, well, you got me, Vince. So <laughs> well, at least you accomplished this with, a, with one person. I'm sure it's working for for Austin as well. I counted at this section. I wrote boo with 16 O's. <laughs> what were you just booing the entire concept of this or was there just something the whole, specific? Just the whole execution. Shane setting it up being like the higher power is omniscient, a calculated. I was like, wait, what? And he's like, cold and calculated, a master of screwing with minds. <laughs> what like yeah you're right maybe they do need better marketing aaron because this is something none of these work as a tagline yeah my my note at that point was fuck this fuckery so i yeah. think we were all on the same page yeah and it doesn't get better from here as it like transitions through like three massive like movements <laughs> but guys i really want to hear about who controls how many shares oh uh and again, doesn't make sense. None of this makes any sense whatsoever at all. Uh, all right, so let's let's go through this this piece by piece. So so Vince tells them it wasn't personal. None of the kidnapping or the torture was personal. It was just business, normal business things, very normal, normal, bu- normal business. Just the violating photos, the undressing uh, Stephanie, and putting her in a different dress. That's part of the business whipping so like, christian i mean like uh hanging the big boss man from hell in a cell uh the list goes on just business satanic cults just business so but yes yeah, so okay we're here because this is about this story is about to take a, a very drastic turn what is 
the plan here? Was Vince's plan just, like, to annoy Austin a lot? Was Vince's plan to 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 drum up business through the use of this this storyline? Like, what does Vince want to happen? So I, I mean, I could tell. I could. Oh, go no, ahead. No, no, I want to hear your theory. Go. Well, I was gonna say I could tell you what I want it to be. Uh-huh. What I would love for the for the um, justification to be is like. We, you know, is, is again, to go, like, you know, go meta on the whole WWE thing and just be like, you know, we had uh, – the WWE was listless and, and had no center until the ministry came in. And the ministry gave everybody something to, you know, to uh, care about. And it brought this – you know what I mean? Like, so doing – you know, having the ministry gave everybody a reason to work and brought in the viewers and – it was all, yeah, it was all to kind of, like, drum up this business and to, you know, essentially take that role of basically saying, like, yeah, you know, I'm – my humiliation of you was because we needed to have a really good storyline for the WWF. So you're – I don't know. I think that would be fun. Your justification is he's basically, like, a benevolent Scooby-Doo villain. Um – or just uh, yeah, sort of. Or I guess like, kind of like, if you if you have the meta story of like, of Vince's soul and the corruption of his soul being that like, well, you know, how committed is he to this business that he built? He's so committed that he's willing to sacrifice his relationships with half of his family, uh, to come up with some like crazy bullshit because he knows that people are going to eat it up. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Here's I took it as it's Vince just like trying to basically humiliate and break down Austin mentally, which I mean, it's a loose justification. I'm actually more interested in the undertaker's motivations through of all of this. So does this mean that Vince was masterminding from all the way back when the undertaker converted Midian or did Vince see a ministry already growing and then stepped in? And if being like, ooh, these guys could be allies in my in my war against Austin, I can manipulate them to my side. Or was he manipulating it from the very beginning, in which case that makes Undertaker a what? An idiot. Like that he was following But then if it wasn't Vince, then what was the initial higher, darker governing power that inspired Undertaker to start the ministry in the first place? That well, this that the piece to me is the most missing. It makes me so angry. Well, if this is if this is a Machi, like this crazy Machiavellian scheme that goes all the way back to when Undertaker formed this, if Vince is able to say, "I can see this far ahead, Undertaker," and I can tell you that you will be the WWF champion by June of this year. Yeah. Okay. Does so that... who here? Who believes in magic? Anyone? No one? Some of them. Does Midian believes in magic? So who here believes that what they're doing in magic and who is in on the scam? That's uh-huh. what I want to know. If it's a cult, Vince is – then the cult is like, haha, there is no, like, magic. So is magic real, yes or no? And, like, if so, who believes in it and who doesn't? That, that's what I want to know because from, from the jump, Triple H and China and Bossman already didn't believe in, in, in the hoodoo. So what is this? Yeah, I mean, I think I I, I agree with uh, Aaron, at least that I think that 
that Vince was behind it from the beginning. I think that, you know, it, it to me it makes some sort of sense that The Undertaker would be like, well, the, you know, the, the, the owner of the place where I work wants me to do something and is willing to guarantee it for me. Then you know I'm then okay. fine. I'll do his bidding. But like in terms of the magic, uh, right? So then if he's, I like, mean, so is he then saying like, okay, I'll do your, Vince is like Taker. I got a deal for you. Stick with me, kid. We'll run this joint. We'll destroy Austin. I'll make you the champion. We'll live like fucking kings. Great. And yeah. Vince's like, awesome. What do I got to do? He's like, you got to sacrifice Midian. What? Or you have to pretend to sacrifice Midian to intimidate other people. Okay. So does Midian think he's being really sacrificed, or is Midian also getting like a percentage of this deal? No, yeah, I think I think in order for this to work, then then every all of the evil people must not believe in magic. Got it. That, so there that, is that, no magic. There is no magic. Yeah, we just and everyone that magic has is dead. So everyone's been pretending to sacrifice people. Yes. Mm, okay. <laughs> See, wait. Okay. Now, wait. Right. How does the I think? Work? No. Here's what I think. I think. I think it, that. The people who were part of the ministry uh, were formed by Vin- by by Undertaker without Vince being involved. Okay. So what I think was is like Vince met with Undertaker. You know, like they had a, they had coffee. Give me a timeline. And how, how established is the ministry at this point? So you're saying after the ministry been, is was- not established. Okay, go on. Ministry is not established. So before this, so basically Vince Vince says, listen. You know, I've got a proposition for you. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to form a a collective of evil, and I want you to run with it. Just go, you know, like do what do what it is you do, and and convert people to your to your cult. Do whatever you need to do. So then, Undertaker goes and starts collecting these people. Now, you know, Midian, he's like he's been having the the Kool Aid, like. Midian is is uh is a sheep. So Midian so believes in magic. In. Midian totally believes in magic. So yes, he's not 100%. in on the deal. So he so I, if any not at all. So then Midian I, should be surprised if Vince McMahon's in charge because to Midian <laughs> the higher power is like Baphomet. You know what I mean? So for exactly, to be like exactly. it's that guy. Midian should be mad because I think Midian I think Midian is like has has uh found that cultic bliss. Where like nothing surprises him anymore. He All just right. like well, I see, but the, just gets excited in the moment. These are the holes in the logic. This is the part where I'm having the hardest time because. No, but some... I need to. I, I think we need to go further down this rabbit hole because if Midian, <laughs> if Midian believes and Midian yes. has experienced magic, then the yes. Undertaker is magic. The Undertaker or... has magic blood that can transform Midian from oh. Dennis Knight into this new creature and why is someone who has magic going to follow vince mcmahon i think everybody has to be in on it in order for the logic to stand okay but w- disagree there's also like a stockholm syndrome kind of way of like midian believes it's magic but undertaker is a huckster and undertaker kind of like gives them the snake handling sort of like a uh, big revival, uh, you are healed miracle church experience, and they believe, but they then are believing in magic. Like that's a, someone at some point either no one believes and everybody's on the take, like some kind of ocean, some terrible oceans film, or which has a similar cast size, I will say, uh, or uh, 
Undertaker's a huckster, and he's doing sort of, like, fake miracles kind of thing to, like, convert people to follow him. In the which Undert- case, what... <laughs> the Undertaker's <laughs> gonna convince a small town that they all need to buy music instruments next. Exactly. Yes. It worked in Shelbyville, <laughs> and in, uh... That's Taker. Taker with a capital T. Uh, that's the... Undertaker. Okay, rhymes with P. Undertaker. 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 <laughs> Yeah, but then uh, idiots, okay. someone's... So, that's what I'm saying. Who be huck? <laughs> is there a... Who? Is, sorry. Okay, I have I have a thought, though. I, I started doing... I wanted to do the, the song from The Simpsons where, like, is there a danger the, the symbol should fall? <laughs> uh, but, okay, no. Uh, I have a theory. Okay. Or not a theory, but I have, a, I have, a, I have an outlook on this. And yeah, I know that you guys think that if Taker has magic... And Vince doesn't have magic, then Taker is more powerful, and therefore Taker should not be falling into a hierarchy below it. But I think that, you know, in culture, in the culture of literature and other things, it's not it's it's not always like the the most powerful magical person. Like there are magical people who are subordinate to non-magical people. I don't think there's ever a point where a non-magical person is subordinate to a magical person. Like I think like Merlin, I think that we, yes, we, Merlin's not the king. Mer, no, but Merlin, it's Merlin's machinations that makes Arthur into the king. Um, Arthur is following on the path that Merlin sets him up. Yeah, but also, but like, it, it, you know, but Merlin. Okay, so Merlin is a little bit of like a of a puppet master, but he event, you know, he still gives the authority to to Arthur. Okay, but then there's also I don't know, like, um, like look at Cobra Commander and Destro. Like, I feel like Destro has a lot more power, but like still plays second fiddle to Cobra Commander. Destro is not magic. Ah. <sighs> He's a scientist. Science is like magic. Mm, no. Okay, wait. What about what about in um? Well, uh, wait. What was that movie with Warwick Davis? Willow. Willow. Mm-hmm. Wasn't there like a mag- a magician who was like Willow serv- uh, subservient Willow was to? A magician. Not not Willow. I mean the uh, the bad person. The there was like a no, there was no, a, a woman yeah, who was subservient no, to another. The woman is. So oh, Eric believing that the woman can't be both magic and in charge. Bavmorta yes. Bavmorta <laughs> is the evil queen in this. She is also magic. I mm, I don't know, man. I still think I think look, I think it's possible that Undertaker can have powers and but also realize that he also doesn't have you know, all of the contacts for the different venues across the United States. <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't know all the contractors. I'm just saying he doesn't know the vendors. I'm just saying if I could snap my fingers and a spark could appear. Not even a full flame, just a single spark, nobody could tell me shit for the rest of my life. I mean but you'd probably be really hungry and just walking around like having sparks come out and people would just be like, All right, there's that guy who just won't listen to anyone. Yeah, because I'm magic. Look, magic has its limits too. So should we get down? That's, I don't know. So should we get down to business? Yes. 
four no equal shares. There are four equal shares in the WWF. Vince has one, Shane has one, Linda has one, and Stephanie has one. So Vince took his empire, cleaved it into four, and gave each a piece to each of those closest to him. That's what we're... Each of the races got their own yeah, ring. exactly. Um, and so Linda McMahon has called a board of directors meeting... And there are going to be some changes. Cut-off jeans are going to be allowed. Profanity is going to be allowed. Drinking is going to be involved. And it cuts to uh, to Shane and Vince who are like, wait, I don't know, cut-off jeans, profanity, drinking? Well, it's not Kane. Who could it be? <laughs> <laughs> okay, but aren't we in the same position that Shane and Vince were in just like earlier like the week before where it's like we've got 50 percent and you've got 50 percent <laughs> like no one has a controlling share yes that, the, the, all of it doesn't make any it doesn't make any sense and it wouldn't be equal like that and why is are they all are they all ceo then was just linda ceo i thought they're equal then why do they have titles what is i, I need an org chart for the for titan sports <laughs> linda and stephanie need to wrestle shane and vince for control of the company winner take all but either way, we know that at the top of the org chart, the glass shatters, and Stone Cold Steve Austin has been named the new CEO. And I need to do another mental exercise here. So Vince reveals that he is the greater power, the higher power, whatever it is you want to call it, to Austin the week before. So what that means is that Austin then took that information. First, they let him go. They're just like, all right, I've proved to it now. <laughs> Just yeah, go who to the back. from the ropes? Like, do the minutes just leave? Be like, all right, guys, you want to get a beer? All right, let's go. Like, what? And then he goes to Stephanie, or he goes to to Stephanie and Linda, and like explains what he's seen. My question is this: Is Linda's reaction to hearing that her husband did all of these things as part of his guys is is being in charge of the WWF? Is it angry, or is it exasperated? Like, oh, <laughs> like, oh, God, Vince my again. My fucking husband did this again. I think it's angry. I think I think the reaction of making Stone Cold the CEO was like, uh, it was almost like it, it it cut more to the um the psyche of Vince. Like in a, if this were like, for example, the movie Major League. What would have happened was that uh, instead she would have slept with Austin, but because you know they're not, they weren't going to do that. Instead, she's like, "Well, you can violate, you know, the one thing that Vince truly loves, his company." I don't know if the uh, if, if all of the strings tie together properly on that uh, one, but yeah. I'm standing by it. Yeah, I like it. Well, the beauty um, about Linda McMahon's performance is you could project any motivation on her because she gives you <laughs> zero in the words she says. Then now she is the secretary of small business. Thank you, everybody. Oh, it's true. Um, it's just like this is this is why. Okay, this is uh, Exhibit B. Why? This whole thing with uh, with with um, with Vince revealing himself as the greater power 
it just why it, it continues to fall flat because, or like I don't know I don't know what they wanted to go for because if they uh, if they didn't it sounds like they didn't believe that it was going to be that impactful that Vince reveals himself because they immediately underplay it first of all they underplay it by having him reveal it to Austin a week earlier so it's not he doesn't even get to like revel in it in front of Austin we don't get that we're robbed of that to a certain degree then, uh, immediately, right after this announcement, Linda comes out and undermines, you know, like, oh, well, you think you're in charge. You're not. And Austin's now in charge of everything. So it's kind of like they just wanted, like, you know, Vince to get up on stage and have his one moment and then shit himself so that he can't even, like, you know, it doesn't even feel like he got the upper hand at any point. Well, this is the this is the, the, the typical famous car crash booking like week to week swerves on swerves on swerves that like define Russo's writing. And I feel like for the last, I I forget which one of these ministry episodes, um, but one of them, when it was like appreciating the scope and the breadth of this story and how it affected so many people. But I think now having seen so many similar segments play out over the weeks where it's like, okay, but having all these people means you have to have a 25 minute opening where you literally just read the match card for the night. And it's like, okay, and then Tess, you will get to choose what kind of match you will have. And it's like down the whole line from fucking Midian all the way up to like, to Paul, to, to Pat and, and Briscoe. Um, and so I started to get really bored with it, I think. Yeah, my yes. my least favorite thing about the intervening weeks here that we look at is this whole idea of I have the power this week, so I still set all the matches so that the people that I'm against are getting uh, are getting screwed over. But then the following week, it's like, oh ho ho! Well, this week it turns out the CEO is not here, so I have the ability to call all the matches, and I'm going to do everything so that the the, the team that I oppose is is uh, at a disadvantage. And yes, I think, and as, as the designated survivor, I'll be able to choose yeah. who goes in the cage. <laughs> and, and it's just like every – it's gimmick match on gimmick match on gimmick match, and none of them are compelling. But, and, but I think that that needs to happen here to stop what we've been doing for the past hour, which is picking apart every single piece of – like you need to, to pivot very quickly after this reveal – because the the reveal is as all of us to just go wait, what? And look back at all of this and be like, wait, his planning is what? And I think um, when we get to Ken Shamrock later on in the night, it falls apart even further. Well, especially because Ken doesn't know how to put a sentence together. <laughs> he doesn't. You're look- going to have to wait your abuse. What the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> Like, wait for your abuse? Mm-hmm. I'm not even sure. But so, so um, I mean, to, to get to there, we have to skip over the, the lovely scene where, where the, the new CEO is given the traditional briefcase of natural light. So. That's how he gets paid now. That's, uh, <laughs> the government can't tax what you can only drink. It also feels like no one's even trying to write anything at this point. Like, it just feels like everyone's picking up a microphone. Everyone's backstage being like, beer, beer. You like a beer? Here's a beer and a beefcase. Beefcase, beer. You want a beefcase? Beer? Like, everyone's just, like, saying words to each other. It's, like, very disconcerting. It's like watching the Sims speak in, like, Sims language at each other. Just everything is, like, <laughs> like, everything is just nonsense, it feels like. And, and yeah, and, and, uh, and Shamrock is definitely going to devolve into screaming. But after um after the line that you said, 
uh jeff you're gonna have to wait your abuse eric um he talks about how angry he is that um he did all these things for vince mcmahon and that his sister was kidnapped and all that so his anger here makes sense but then now that forces me to again go back was everyone in the corporate ministry told the plans except for shamrock yeah, why was he like Why? a good egg? And also, was Ryan Shamrock in on it? Did she know? Were they, did she really get kidnapped? Or were they like, hey, Ryan, we'll give you 100 bucks if you come and hang out with us for a couple days? You know what I mean? Like, what? That's what I want to know. How much of it was like real magic and how much of it was fake magic? Wait, why, much- can't, why, couldn't she, why couldn't she have been kidnapped? She could have been. But like, are they really going to sacrifice her? Are they really going to keep her in a dungeon? Are they, they going to rent a dungeon to keep up appearances? But yeah, the mind. <laughs> yeah, why not? Why not sacrifice her? Ryan Sh- because Ryan Shamrock was part of mind games that the Undertaker was playing with Vince and Stephanie that had absolutely nothing to do with Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, nah, 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 nah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. That, this starts. This starts breaking down. Um. Well, it's kind of uh, it's it's kind of like uh, no. like Kaiser Soze staying in character when when the police officers go to the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, I'm a little lost. I'm not sure why. Okay, so they they playing mind games. It's Undertaker playing mind games with Vince because Undertaker wanted to kidnap Stephanie. Remember, and he was like, "Ooh, Stephanie, your teddy bear." Ooh, and then he couldn't, and so he kidnapped. No. He tried to kidnap Stephanie. Now I try. Now I should remember. He kidnapped Stephanie first, then Shamrock found her before he kidnapped her again later in the limousine. And in the intervening weeks, he kidnapped Ryan Shamrock. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's like, I mean, we have the young girl, right? But okay, right. Her family. Uh, okay, but wait. Okay, what if Vince was just like. Undertaker, I need you, like, in order to sell this, we're going to have to, I have to make it look like you and I, that, that, like, you are, you have targeted me. So I'm going to need you to play mind games with me by targeting, you know, by going after Stephanie and do whatever you need to do. And so maybe, like, Undertaker was like, okay, I'm going to run with this guy and didn't tell the ministry. So the ministry's like, all right, we're going to get, you know, we're going to fuck with Vince. I think that still fits into the into the the overarching theory, the the great unifying theory that only Vince and Undertaker were in on this. Okay, but then the entire ministry should abandon them when they reveal that it's all been a sham and there is no higher power. Magic isn't real. I think it. No, m- magic could still be real, real, and I also think like, look, the ministry is like, well, I don't know, you know, it worked out. This worked out for us. Like, they don't care. That you know that it was Vince. Like maybe they're just like, all right, well, you know. So your take. Our, 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 and, and, mm-hmm. I'm not disagreeing with anything. Honestly, I don't think there is an answer because this is also ridiculous. But I, I'm, yes. tr- I just want to. I want to. I don't. My my take is I believe there is no like cohesive unifying theory for the storyline. So I'm just trying to find holes in any one percent because I don't think there's a single one that exists that that does a decent job explaining that would justify everyone's decisions like consistently. Mm-hmm. So, because if you're suggesting that Undertaker is real magic and has always been real magic and just didn't know how to apply himself until Vince came in, <laughs> <laughs> like a Tony Robbins kind of mentor to him, it was like, you know, you could really be a leader, kid, uh, and like got him to like form this ministry. 
Um, but the, the, what he's foretelling is that Undertaker was not the Dark Lord. He was but an emissary. He, he was a prophet. And so he was speaking on behalf of the higher power. So all these people, Midian, whatever, believed it. It was like, yeah, man, fucking pierce my nose. I believe in this higher power. Like, let's do yeah, it. Yeah. And they all, like, buy into this fraud. But uh, And Undertaker knew all along. It's not that Vince even was, like, uh, the Wizard of Oz, like, man behind the curtain, booming into a thing, fooling the Undertaker. Undertaker and McMahon both know, like, what's up. Uh, and Undertaker's telling them that there's this higher power that's making them have to fuck with Stephanie McMahon, which is already so dumb anyway. Like, all everything about it, yeah. even the justification is even dumber. Which makes, I think, all the Ministry guys look like fools. It's like, well, yeah, it does. But, like, look, okay, you know, not to go into it too deeply, but uh, look at our political situation where we have literally, you know, a, a, a whole political party and supporters of a guy who has made them look like fools at every constant turn and all and like their response is to double down. You I know mean, what I mean? Like is Donald Trump the Undertaker or Vince McMahon? Donald Trump is Midian. is the Midian. Undertaker. He's Midian. <laughs> he's Viscera. Yeah. He's fucking fuck him. Uh but what I want to know is did so Shane knew all along too. So all the times that Shane and Vince were like literally beating the shit out of each other week after week was like what sparring? It was uh, like what? How in the land of they had fake, to sell it? Like how in the land of fake fighting does that fit into the like logic? They had to sell it, you know. Like look, I'm gonna need you to, you know, I'm, I'm gonna need you to hit me, Eric. Like you know, they had to. Eric, this is a, this is a plan. <laughs> That's like, man, we're going to humiliate Austin. How? I'll tell you how. We're going to punch each other in the face on live TV. <laughs> we're going to hit each other with chairs. We're going to humiliate your sister. That'll teach him. Yeah, that'll teach him real good. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to get Austin, but I need to fist fight my son first. <laughs> it makes Vince look like the biggest fucking idiot on earth. You know how we'll teach Austin a lesson? I'm going to burn my house down. That'll show him. It's like, What? Yeah. So listen, dumb. no one ever said that he was good at it. He's just you know, except for Shane, but Shane's a fucking moron too. It makes everybody look so stupid. You know who looks the best coming out of all of this? Patterson and Briscoe. They yes. look the best, smartest guys in the entire storyline, including Austin, including Triple H in China. You name it. I think Patterson and Briscoe look like the smartest people in the room. Oh. Uh. Well, I mean, they 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 were upset, so they you know, that's when they they're like, we quit or whatever. Yeah, they like, get your own up. coffee. Yeah, they wise it up. The brew too. They wise it up. The brew was like, listen, I don't think this magic is real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're gonna take our viscous liquid and go. Yeah, we got all we got, we got a dark lifestyle. We got to do over here, guys. By the way, uh, just to get to the part where uh, do we want to talk about the part where? Where um, Stone Cold basically reads out the booking for the night. Do we do we talk about that, or are we going to talk about that in more detail? We can. I just I just thought that the my main takeaway from this, where you know Stone Cold was like, each of the members of the union gets to pick their match. I was like, it felt like a Sadie Hawkins dance. <laughs> well, we, and and that and then and then and then Test actually did ask somebody out. And yeah, so that's that's the part that we're on right Whoa. now. So before Shamrock um, goes crazy, Big Show says he wants the Undertaker that night for the championship. And then Test, God bless him, grabs the microphone. He's like, 
Hey, you said we, we have any matchup we want. Well, Stephanie McMahon, can you come out here, please? He didn't ask anybody out. He did ask somebody oot, though. And I have been watching a lot of Degrassi, and so my ears are, are t- attuned for that. He gets on his knees like a fucking goober and asks Oof. Stephanie McMahon on a date. Okay, better than that, though, was Ken Shamrock tittering behind him like a little schoolgirl. <laughs> so excited to see this love bloom. He's like, these guys are like, like turning to Big Show. Like, I think they're going to make it work. You know what I mean? It was very, he was giddy. Um, it just, it, first of all, like the, I feel like they should have been like, no test. That wasn't what we said you could do. Like you can do that on your own time, but like, can you please, you actually have to have a match test. It's like, no, no, no. I want to just go on a date. That's it. It's like at the end of sneakers when, uh, they asked for a Winnebago. Yes. Right. World peace. <laughs> and, uh. For all you fans of the, uh, 1992 Robert Redford movie sneakers out there. That's an excellent movie. It's a really good I movie. Love I will movie. watch that movie anytime it's on. Yeah. Um, by the way, uh, did you guys notice, like, so uh, Austin's been wearing a shirt these episodes? Uh-huh. Where the back is is a skull, but it looks like a skull that was, like, appropriated from, like, the skateboard deck of, like, a really young kid. I th- I always it's like a, I know what you're talking about, Eric. I always think this that this particular skull has real a real SS feeling to it. Oh, interesting. Like, would you say it's similar to like Cody Rhodes's tattoo? Uh, no, because Cody Rhodes' tattoo, as we all know, is very good. Uh huh. It's a very good tattoo. <laughs> sure. <laughs> we all agree. We all agree on that. Yep, that's a great neck tattoo. No notes. I abstain from this. I want the, let the record show. I'm, 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 I would like to be removed from this narrative. Okay. We, <laughs> we got to get through the rest of this episode because, uh, oh boy, the, the, the June 14th one. But do need to say that so the um, Big Show and Undertaker do go at it. And it's a, it's a good match. But then, holy shit, at the end, Big Show uh, grabs the Undertaker as he's jumping off of the top rope and choke slams him through the ring. And it's dope. Yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah. So, um, on the um, June 14th episode of Raw, um, the greater power, um, greater power, 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 is how it how it all starts off. Uh, Vince has lost his parking space. Excuse me. Vince has lost his parking space. Um, and this, this episode has real UCB... If this is true, what else is true? Energy oh, yeah. to it, um, yeah. Because Steve Austin is having his first day as the CEO, and he starts this off by um, helping a receptionist uh, with the a revised way to answer the phone. That I'm sure Austin always answers the phone as, "Who the hell is this? What the hell do you want?" Well, that rece- like does his mother call him? <laughs> Bobby, what are you saying? I was like, that girl remind me of someone who must have went to like the Rachel Lee Cook school of '90s girl acting. Like her, her hair had like the clips parted on the side. She just looked like she could have been the love interest in Forty Days and Forty Nights. Like just like a. Like, I thought she was. I thought she was so cute. She also like the, I think that's I think the same actress also was in like Rules of Attraction. She just has like big late '90s like uh, like manic pixie dream girl energy. 
Yeah. Um, like Mandy Moore-ish. Yes. Yeah, yeah, early, yeah. Very early Mandy Moore. Yes, indeed. But, but this whole episode is mostly Austin mansplaining how to do things incorrectly. <laughs> like, that was the joke. And so we go back to the ring, and this week the bad guys are in charge, and so we've got the opposite booking of last week. Um, so after three months of planning, um, and again, I, this made me ask myself, what does this look like if everything goes off without a hitch? Like, is it just that Austin still works for you, but like he doesn't get any shots at the big matches? Or is it, was it humiliation of Austin? I don't know. But um, the corporate ministry is focused on the future, and in particular, the stipulation for the match that Austin will have with Shane and Vince at um, the King of the Ring. And then he goes and lists off a whole bunch of gimmick matches that it could be. But the one I want to focus on the most is the dog pound match, where Vince <laughs> so excitedly describes putting a dog collar on one and a dog collar on the other. And then there'd be a dog chain between the two dog collars, and they got to fight it out like the bunch of dogs that they are. Is a dog chain just a chain? It's just a chain. <laughs> Yeah, it's a chain. This had some real human centipede energy, this whole part of it. I I honestly, I never watched it. I don't feel like I need to. I feel like I got it from just yeah. reading the Wikipedia. Like, not yeah. even not even the full Wikipedia, just, like, the, the part at the top of the Wikipedia, which gives you the broadest of overviews. I was like, oh, okay, I get this. I'm not going to like this. Yeah. It's an uncomfortable movie to watch. It's... It's very. Is it? It's very discomforting. Is it, Eric? Is the yes. Human Centipede an uncomfortable movie to watch? <laughs> uh, what's I mean, the funny the, the what's crazy about that movie is that like the guy who's making the Human Centipede has already thought about who has the worst position in the Human Centipede. Like he's like he goes to a person, he's like, I'm gonna put you in the middle because the middle's the worst. Like yeah. you're gonna like somebody's gonna shit in your mouth and you're gonna like oh you won't be able God. to shit. <laughs> the worst part of the human centipede is being cast in the movie Human Centipede. Hey, it's a living. <laughs> so there's a David and Goliath match, and there's a handicap match, and there's a blindfold match. I mean, a blind date match. And Ken Shamrock Ugh. is gonna be in in a straitjacket. But then, as as Bobby, as you already said, I think. The best part of this is when Patterson and Briscoe come out, and Patterson is fucking pissed. And I thought Gerald Briscoe was going to say, while you're on your way to hell, stop at the Briscoe Brothers Body Shop for a, <laughs> uh, a tune-up. <laughs> Down in Florida. But the get-your-own-damn-coffee was a good line, too. Yeah, um, did you guys catch that Vince referred to it as his Machiavellian plan? Yes, I did. <laughs> Jesus reading Christ, my Machiavelli. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's the Plince. <laughs> um, and then after this is when um, I, it has nothing to do with the story, but the Rock's getting chefy with it video yes. for the Chef Boyardee. <laughs> oh God! It's wow. no, it's 1999. Getting with it came out in 1997. So, but there was, I guess there was never a bad time for an out of date getting jiggy with it reference in the 90s. Well, we, we are on the cusp. People still do it. We're on the cusp of the millennium. So, <laughs> that's true. We feel the pull of getting jiggy more <laughs> yeah. and more. Will 2K is nearly upon us. Yeah. 
The Rock does nothing in the commercial but allow it to happen around him, and that's my favorite thing. Yeah, right move on his part. I don't think he'd be where he is today with had he made another different choice in this commercial. <laughs> if he rapped, if he, because I, I was waiting for him to rap. Um, I yeah, like it's funny. I think um a couple days ago there was like a news item that came out about how uh Vince McMahon basically said like he owns the rights to people's like names. Yes. Like for example, like he owns John Cena's name, even though it's john cena's real name uh and that's what that i th- I feel like that ties very well with the idea of the rock having to sh- sell chef boyardee <laughs> like get put your head in the fucking bowl of soup i don't know i mean i kind of actually think that this is a huge upgrade i feel like wrestlers uh getting people to do this kind of high level endorsement actually doesn't happen all the time I don't know. I, th- I think it's kind of, I, I don't know if this is a head in the toilet kind of uh, shitty Vince McMahon thing. Not to be a Vince McMahon apologist. Uh, but do you think – so you think The Rock gets paid specifically? Like he yes, was the absolutely. only one making money off of that? I don't think he was the only one, but I'm sure he was. But he was definitely making money on that. He'd be making yeah. the bigger share. But I mean, the WWE handles all of their – I'm not saying this is correct. But uh, I do think the guy – I imagine the performers would look at this as a, as a good opportunity and not like a thing they have to do to like uh, – like shake hands at a hospital, you know what I mean? Like they'd see this as like a, a like a good opportunity, I would think. Yeah, I'm sh- by the I'm way, sure Vince uh, got his cut I've... though. Oh, yes. for sure, yeah, they definitely did. I mean, they they do all the deal making. They're essentially their managers and these kinds of deals. I'm gonna get me some. Um, do you think that that like the Campbell soup commercials were coming out, or was it Campbell's? Right, like the was it Campbell's that did that, um, or Chunky that did the commercials with um, athletes and their mothers? I remember the ones you're talking about. Yeah, I think that was Chunky Soup. Chunk, yeah, maybe the Chunky Soup. Did those? Do you think those started around the same time as the as like this Chef Boyardee commercial? Like, I wonder if there was, you know, this push for like soupy, like canned canned prepared foods using you know athletes and sports entertainers it was i wonder if that's part of a trend the early 2000s i want to say was when the chunky soup ones because i remember seeing donovan mcnab with his mother who was clearly an actress that i'd seen in many other like like character roles yep okay so it's close but not quite who decorated vince's office what is that wallpaper (laughs) what is it Okay, wait. Are we talking about the part with the three coffee girls? Because yes. I want to talk. I want to talk in depth about this scene because I truly think it is the best comedic writing I've ever seen in the WWF. Okay. So let me break this down for you. I think it's brilliant. I I, lo- I loved this scene, and I hated almost. I didn't hate, but I mean, it obviously was like not my humor. The rest of it, but this scene was perfect. So the first layer of this joke they're telling is that like how like the excess of corporate America, you have a, you have a coffee girl, then you have another coffee girl, and then you have uh, no, you have a coffee girl, a wine girl, and then a backup in case the other two are out. Like the joke is like how how ridiculous all of this excess. So then Austin reassigns them, and he's like, and, uh, you know, do you want a coffee? And he's like, what? It's after ten a.m. I'm not drinking coffee. I'll have a beer. That's funny. That's already funny. Uh-huh. It's ten a.m. I'll have a beer. Already a good joke. <laughs> then they go to the second one, and she's like, well, can I get you some food? And he's like, yeah, you know, I am a little hungry. You know what? I'll have a cold beer. Also, funny. Good. That was also like a good funny joke response in character. All he wants is beer. 
and then you get to the last one, and this is where the rule of threes, they give you a little surprise, and the last one goes, well, can I, can I also get you a cold beer, Mr. Austin? And he goes, no, absolutely not. And you give me a crown and seven, though. That's funny! Yes. That was funny. This whole thing was a very well-constructed joke. I was very impressed because all of it, was, everything else was so uh, uh, dumb and stupid and base. But it's sometimes, sometimes, though, fun despite that. This was actually a very well-constructed joke, and I, I appreciated I it so much. I do want to point out that the second girl, actually, she doesn't, she fetches Vince his Chateaubriand. Oh, that's the steak. Which is even yeah, funnier. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She gets him, like, he, like he's like he got a person that just brings him his the steak that he eats constantly. Wait, the steak that he eats? Yeah, well, he's got a he's got a girl for his coffee uh-huh. and a girl for his Chateaubriand and a backup girl for both of them. Right, wait. So like, Chateau I, when I heard Chateaubriand, I thought that that was a type of wine. No, that's a steak. It is, huh? Yeah. What type of steak is that? that? It's I like it, it, pronounce it. If you if you Google map if you if you Google image it, it looks like like uh like sliced you know like a sliced roast beef or something huh. or you know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. I didn't have closed captioning on for this part, but I did for a later part that I cannot wait to talk about. Go on. Um, and then, uh, but uh, uh, this one also, I had to look up what a crown and seven was too. Isn't that like crown royal and and uh, seven? No, up? it's a seven and seven. It's uh, Seagram Seven Crown Whiskey is the full, oh, seven is, seven. is the full name of that, which I never I had, I'd only heard seven and seven before. Wait, but why? So a crown and seven. Mm-hmm. Right? Is that what he said? Yeah. So, what's the crown? It's the whiskey. Seagram's, it's called Se- you- It's called Seagram 7 Crown Whiskey. Oh, Seagram 7 Crown Whiskey. Got and it. Crown Royal might be made by the same people, but it's like a higher, um, a higher end version of it. Got it. So, we go back to The Rock in the ring. The Rock is great. Uh, 20,000 asses standing on their feet is great. Um... Some people will tell you to shove your head up your ass, but The Rock will paint a picture of how you will shove your head up your ass. And I feel like as a response to the story that's going on, so The Rock is here, um, wants a piece of The Undertaker, and I feel like The Undertaker is pivoting past evil already. Like his his uh, I've crippled more people than polio, calling the rock boy and all that. I feel like he he's going into more just kind of like a um, a, a just a traditional hard ass than like I'm an evil evil wizard. Yeah, definitely like a United States hard ass. I definitely think that's where he's he's going. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there's there's still a lot of time before that, Bobby, right? Uh, yes and no, but well, let's uh, go on. But I agree, though. But also that lends credence to the idea that Undertaker is not and never was magic <laughs> and that he's been a huckster this whole time. And now the jig is up, and so he's dropped the, uh, the, the act. This will all be sorted out when we finally get our, uh, our animated series based on off of this um, IP. Yes. Uh, so The Rock gets a shot at Taker at King of the Ring, but only if he could beat him tonight, as all of these fucking weeks have gone. Meanwhile, Stone Cold has a board meeting. And this, oh, boy. 
Is this like in Hamilton, the room where it happens? Is that it's at these it's at a room like this where they make these decisions? <laughs> um, fires a guy right off the way. A mailroom clerk is promoted. Um, and then there's a drinking contest. I think this was the worst of the Austin as CEO segments. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I don't have much else on He it. just seemed, like, really unreasonable, and uh, I didn't quite understand, like, what his point... Like, it, it was, like, it was a... Uh, it didn't necessarily follow the logic of if this, then what else, because mm-hmm. it's just like, well, how does Austin run a board meeting? He doesn't. He just makes people drink. <laughs> like, what? Why? For what purpose? What's going on? I guess to show that he can, they, they can, can keep up with him. What... What I found interesting um, is considering um, the world that we live in and and endorsement deals and product placement being what they are, it's really interesting to me that Stone Cold drinks so many different kinds of beer back then. I do know that WWF was always dreaming of getting a beer sponsor and never did so i wonder if like that's part of the strategy was to highlight a bunch of different ones and then mm-hmm. be like look what we could do for you as they were like pitching it around but they always wanted to get like a budweiser or whatever to sponsor and be that'd be the i mean like it's a good pitch you know mm-hmm. like be the exclusive brand of stone cold steve austin brand your cans this way i mean it's smart it is i think the only problem falls falls in with just kind of like the um being as someone who worked in, in a beer distributor, they wouldn't want to, sh- to to highlight like the binge drinking aspect of it. If they if it was Austin, like I enjoy a cold one after my days of beating ass in the ring, and it showed him like sipping responsibly on a Budweiser. But when you show him pouring an entire one like down his gullet in in a matter of seconds, then it I think it it r- probably rubbed the companies the wrong way, or the companies were afraid of what the message that that would send or the backlash that it might be. Makes sense. I just think it's really funny. It'd be funny if they just kept pursuing it and it just got to smaller and smaller like breweries where he's just like, give me that Sam Adams, boy. And he's just, ooh, uh, uh, other twin IPA? All right. Give me five of them. He's just pouring it all over himself. Throw me that Genesee cream ale. Right. Oh, micro batch, you say? Nothing small about this. Um... Can we talk about Austin's uh, employee manual? Yes. You mean the folded up poster book? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, did he? I mean, in this world, which you're right, it is just a, fo- a poster book. But uh, but in this world, did he like lay out the manual himself? Did he? Was he like putting together the articles and like like putting the art in and trying to use stuff on like you know. Um, stock images like what who did the work for him he has no interest in attending board meetings but he's really interested and passionate about graphic design yes exactly he has like one of those uh, i don't know what you would even i'm not sure if it's photoshop or like there's probably some like layout software but uh aaron what do you use for the yearbook (laughs) jostens indesign perfect likely but also the uh i just love that him being like Oh, I'm Austin. I don't. I don't give a damn about no board meetings. But give me a working group on a manual, and I am there. <laughs> weird. Well, and just as weird as the blindfold match that's taking place back in the arena, 
where Stephanie runs in in order to shield the guy that she's going to go out on a date with from a beatdown. On one single date. What is um, what is Tess's stupid symbol? Couldn't tell you. It's like it's like an axe. Where on one side it's it's a mace head, and on the other side it's a crescent that's like facing the opposite direction. It looks like something he drew on like the the brown the inside out brown paper bag that he used as the cover of his math textbook. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. That exactly. Yes. Wait, let me find this. Let's see. Test. Oh god. Yeah, typing in test simple. Test wrestler. What symbol? Symbol. Uh. I know he's dead. I can tell. Um. Wait. Is that like a fiery sun on a cross? I I don't know. I'm looking at it now too, and I'm wondering if it's the same design that Batista has tattooed around his belly button. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I'm looking at it now. It's real bad. It's like the sun and the moon. So like the sun on one yeah. side, the moon on the other, and like a like a chain link cross in between. Oh God, he has it on a T-shirt. He, I was see I, the way you were describing it. I was like, you're you're talking about a hammer and sickle, but it's it's more like they're at a they're at ninety degrees. Like X and Y axis. Eric, he has it tattooed on his arm. How dare you? I... He looks like Ink Master, like came to life. Yes, this was definitely a flash challenge. If Ink Master was a person, he'd be Tess. <laughs> yeah, we're we're uh, we're doing this week. We're doing cover ups. No, got... wait, no. If Ink Master was a person, it would be Draws. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, um... Um, Wait, what are we saying here about Ink Master and Draws? If Ink Master was a person, it would be Draws. Oh, yes, 100%. So then back at headquarters, Austin visits HR. Um, and I, I look, immediately hated this one when he sends the woman out for beer. But I actually found the rest of this segment to be kind of charming. Yeah. You got the straight-laced guy in the Steve Austin tie, and, and he's he's... Gives him the manual. He says, I need you to read that manual because I might come back and quiz you. I'm going to give you an easy one. Austin 316 says, I just kicked your... And and the guy doesn't want to say ass because he's in a, in a business setting, which I don't know any business setting where I haven't felt comfortable in saying ass, but that's fine. And then just like seeing this guy like kind of like puff up after he's gotten the approval of Steve Austin was, was charming to me. Do you think this guy was coached like do you think he was able to do it in a normal way but then they were like no you need to be a little bit more like spastic about it <laughs> like was it was that natural acting on him I would not call that natural acting I don't think in any no matter, no matter what <laughs> no matter what the context was Yeah there's a real outsider art vibe too <laughs> Uh watching yeah watching him strut down the hallway I was like oh this guy has never had confidence in his life <laughs> Um, back in the arena, we got X-Pac versus the Big Show in a David versus Goliath match that isn't really interesting at all. Um, but then you've got Ken Shamrock being put into a straitjacket. And when Ken Shamrock is getting put into a straitjacket and threatens everyone in the room, I believe everything while he, that he's saying that he is going to do to everyone in there. 
I this to me this is some of the best Shamrock I think we've seen. I really liked him in this whole like e- episode and going forward, and he got a huge pop. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Ken Shamrock was like, I mean, alive, you know, like definitely had some star quality, some charisma going, even though he's you know still like a mush mouth. His looking directly at his face, it looks like everything is still settling. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like his, <laughs> his nose is definitely a drift on his face uh, due to the beatings he's taken over the years, but. Man, yeah, yeah. I think this was a good night for Shamrock, straight jacket aside. Yeah, and in the straight jacket, he manages to um, beat Jeff Jarrett using only his legs. It's cool. And then Briscoe and Patterson have their match against Midian and Viscera, um, where JR says that Viscera must be the largest man who's ever been on Pat Patterson, which may be true. Yeah. I mean, I, there's a good chance, yeah. Mm-hmm. It made me laugh, though. Um,. This is when we go to accounting, and uh, we, we find that um, Austin is responsible for a number of losses because of his antics. The Zamboni. That's actually very yeah. funny. I really like that. Very good detail. Um, and then Vince's salary gets moved over to Mick Foley, who is, uh, who's out for a little bit, and Shane's salary becomes the beer budget. Never mind the fact that they still own half of the company. <laughs> um, Shamrock tearing out of the straight jacket is fucking awesome. Very cool. Definitely liked it. Super hot. Sorry. <laughs> and then we cut to the most beautiful office that the king has ever seen. Where... Um, Austin directs, because of all of the bullshit in this office, directs a bunch of workers to pile cow shit into the office. Did, I couldn't, um, I couldn't tell exactly, did JR call them the CC brothers who are bringing them in? Oh, I don't know. I didn't catch that. All right. But so now, Vince... Shane and Austin are going to put their stock and their CEO above the ring and have a ladder match. They have to climb the ladder in order to see who is totally in charge, the WWF. This Is this kind of like the early beginnings of uh, Money in the Bank? Because it feels very Money in the yeah, Bank-ish. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. The uh, the original Money in the Bank match can be kind of traced to a different person, but yeah, this this has uh, has an air of it about it. The Rock stimula- stipulation is also about to come, but terrifying Ken Shamrock comes and chases Vince and Shane out of the arena. But we find that the Rock versus the Undertaker match it will also be against Triple H as the stipulation. Which again, why is this a triple threat, not a handicap match? Like, oh. if I'm evil booking, wouldn't I book it as a handicap match? And instead they booked it as a triple threat, which is like, you don't have to do this. And it's not right. for the title. So usually in that case, when you have, like, two allies that are booked in a triple threat, it's like the the greed, like the temptation of having the title that drives the wedge. But in this case, they're just, it's just a handicap match. Yeah, I guess I read it as a handicap match rather than a triple threat. But yeah, so... So, um, Undertaker could have just been like, Triple H, lie down, and I will pin you so that we will get through the evil scheme that we wanted to get through here. Yeah. And it would more closely resemble what Shane and Vince are doing with Austin. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, it's still fucking cool to see these three guys in the ring yes. together. In in the, the ring, though, not 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 often in the ring mm-hmm. during the match. <laughs> yeah, facts. Yeah. Uh, but during the match, China and Taker get into it. Um, after China accidentally trips the Undertaker, um, then that allows, sets up Triple H to get the rock bottom and the pin, and then Trips goes ape shit and um, on the Undertaker, and the Ministry is starting to show some cracks in it. This was stupid. I hate it. I didn't like this. Um, I think it made Undertaker look again very stupid. Very stupid. Like you're in the main event in the middle of a huge important match, and you're so distracted by your bullshit with China that it didn't just like momentarily take your eye off the ball. It like preoccupied you for a good few minutes. You know what I mean? That it's like you think you could just tune out what was happening behind you. That you, like you just could just tune it out for like a, a long period of time. It just seemed like very stupid. And the f- also like you know for the, for the ministry to finally come together in all its fruition and then just be like, well, now there's infighting in the ministry. It's like, well, Jesus Christ, you know, yeah. like we can't have anything for any amount of time. And I think some of those issues just kind of shine through in definitely the least compelling episode of Raw out of these four um, leading up to King of the Ring. But it starts off with Triple H having issues calling the Undertaker out. Um, and then it's like the oh everyone wants to see the corporate ministry fall apart, but it's not going to happen. And then we get the booking for the night. Yeah, I really kind of like stopped at this point. Like even my note says so bored, convoluted. Like this is like so much of the same opening the segment by reading the match card. Yes, but this did end with the Stooges dancing, which I really liked. Yes. Oh, but oh, but I like that. But I will say that there was a point where Vince says, "Get him!" And could you imagine, like, you're in the ministry, you're the Undertaker, and you're like, "I am the WWF champion," and I was just ordered by my higher power to attack two fifty-year-old guys. It certainly makes you look stupid, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I made this bargain with the devil because yeah. I don't care what what follow-on consequences there are. Almost stupid. As, as stupid as when when HBK, who comes to uh, to to orchestrate all this, goes Mick Mick mannequins. <sighs> yeah, stupid. Um, and so what's going to happen is that Austin needs to win a match in order to decide who is going to have the stipulations that they want be a part of the ladder match, whether it's going to be any outside interference means disqualification or whether it means that it's no hold bars and anyone can come in. I did think it was kind of funny when, uh, when Vince McMahon is like, all right, well, he's going to go against the undertaker and HBK is like, Nope, already booked. Well then, it's gonna be Triple H. <laughs> nope, already booked. It's like, oh god. You I mean I have? And, and you can tell how distant a third choice Big Boss Man is as far as who you want to have represent right. you in the ring. <laughs> uh, Viscera? No, Viscera's got a. He's got a, a doctor's appointment. Midian. I guess Boss Man. I don't know. Midian has a note from his mom. <laughs> Yeah, but it says from Vidian from Midian's mom. <laughs> Meanwhile, I, did you guys catch it during the uh, the the thing in uh, the the interstitial here where Midian says he doesn't have a belt and he can he get the one out of Shane's bag? 
Yes, I thought this was going to be the, the, the new Midian thing, like the one that you were telling me about, it's, his new gimmick. It's not, but Midian is, is going to have a championship just because he asked Shane McMahon for the belt in his bag, which happened to be the European championship. So that's how they're going to bring that back, and they're going to bring it that's back ridiculous. with Midian. Perfect. All right. So Austin versus Boss Man happens. The McMahons come out with a ladder to, I guess, show the audience what a ladder looks like. And then Vince gets on the ladder in a demonstration of how you climb a ladder. Of course, as one does. Is this symbolism? <laughs> but he gets dumped off of the ladder onto the announce table. Um, Austin hits the stunner on Boss Man. And it will be Austin's version of the stipulation. We got Shane and Vince versus the Stooges later that night, which is really only an excuse to introduce the newest member of the Mean Street Posse, Joey Abs. Oh, wait, we, we I want to go back to one thing oh, that yeah. I'm not sure anybody noted. Uh, at some point in the show, Jerry Lawler does a live read on air for an upcoming television show called, I think it's just called Happy Hour? Uh but the promo copy live read is, I, I listened to it a hundred times, there's a part where it gets, okay, it goes, it's like, what do you get when you have Linda Blair, Ernie Hudson, Dweezil and Ahmed Zappa, a rocket house band, and ten sexy puppet poppin' dancers? And I was like, <laughs> I'm sorry. What? And I went back. Over Tell, over stop over me again. if you've heard this one before. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, everything about this is already perfect. But 10 sexy puppet poppin' dancers? And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. And I went back and I went back and then I put on closed captioning and it said 10 sexy indistinct poppin' dancers. <laughs> and I was like, God damn it! What is it? So I do think you should go back and look at it. Because it is... Wait, Bobby... I, I must have watched it a hundred times. Bobby, what do you get when you mix Linda Hamilton, Dweezil Zappa, and the puppet poppin' dancers? <laughs> Your version with Linda Hamilton. With Linda Hamilton. This one had, which is better. This is Linda Blair from The Exorcist and Ernie Hudson. And then Dweezil and Ahmed Zappa. But you know what's funny? That the closed caption got every other single word correct in that promo. Every single one, including <laughs> Dweezil and Ahmed Zappa. But they could not figure out what Daryl Lillard was saying with that. And I just want to know what kind of show has a rock and house band in 10 sexy puppet poppin dancers so wait did jr not answer it and say what the name of the show was uh no i think lawler just gave it gave it away it was like okay. it's happy hour and it's coming up after raw it's on, uh, it's on usa network at like 11 p.m on a monday how could it not be fun um i've been watching a lot of basketball and uh nba is on tnt some of the time and so having to watch nba commentators go well, if you thought the offense that James Harden provided tonight, you won't believe the offense when Cody Rhodes goes one-on-ones against Mr. Brody Lee this week on AEW Dynamite. <laughs> the main event for this episode is uh, Undertaker versus the youngster Triple H, who's a very young 29 at this point. Um, I, I could barely keep attention on this match. Yeah, same. It was boring. Yeah, I was not interested. I agree. Um, and apparently my notes <laughs> didn't reflect this because I don't have a whole lot. Is this the ending with the... Uh... No, it's not. Yes, it is. This is the stupid okay. ending where the stupid rock symbol comes down yes, okay. from the rafters. Um, Paul the Bearer worst. gets put on it, but you know that they're not putting anything into the air 
at this point in WWE. I didn't think they should even lower anything from the <laughs> air. Just stop the air. Just clear the airspace. Nothing. The air does not belong to you. But that sets up everything for what's going to happen at the King of the Ring tournament. Wow. What a piece of shit. That's really <laughs> – what a fucking turd this ended up being. Like, it started out – like, this has been, you know, you know, as we're on our quad, quadrilogy here, uh, fourth episode on this. It's been, like, a huge part of of, of everything for, for months. And then it got to that fucking shitty ending – and then they're just basically abandoning ship, and they're going back to the same old, same old that worked before. And it's just really disappointing because it's like the the McMahon Austin stuff ran its course. That's why we needed something different. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, or you know, for other whatever reasons uh, and other factors all contributing, there isn't another guy. There isn't someone that can step up. It feels like right now and, and have the kind of fresh, new, exciting feud that could follow up the Vince and, and uh, Stone Cold stuff. Yeah, it's a real shame um, for for all the time that they spent building up a mystery to just have it be the most obvious answer. I don't know. It was definitely, um, I don't know, it was, a, it was a Maggie shot Mr. Burns feeling. Yeah, or in a way, almost worse, because it's like, it, 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 it not only was it kind of like irrelevant, but it also was like a retread, too. Mm-hmm. So we're back right where we started rather than going into a cool new direction. And so does that mean there's not going to be a Ministry 5? <laughs> no, this is this is the last that we have for this. Although oh, although God. I have no idea what our next deep dive is going to be. So audience, if you have any ideas, let us know. When thinking about the future, Bobby, and thinking about the things that, that are about to come, it, it would be real easy – for them to get into a rut after this, but I think that the WWF does a really good job shaking off this L in order to do some really cool things in the rest of this year. And and God, the year two thousand is going to be on fire. There's just a new, there's a I, new class basically taking shape. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like Rock, Austin, Mick Foley, Undertaker. They've really dominated for for this last year, and I think now we're starting to see triple h become a, a like finally like a, like start to take shape in the character that he'll start to take off with we're seeing young competitors come into the tag team division it's like things are starting to there's like a new a new wave coming can so can you tell me like did they they just knew at the time that this was a, a disaster was that what happened oh yeah i don't think they i think they knew at the time this was a disappointment people were mad people were disappointed with it it didn't go over well and they just kind of wanted to instead of double downing like they kind of want to move on from it i feel like mm-hmm. hence starting to have the cracks in in these things and start to split things up and uh it always hinged on the reveal and the reveal didn't go well so i think they're you know time to cut and run Hmm. okay love us disagree want to Set us up with a rockin' house band and ten sexy puppet poppin' dancers? <laughs> uh, uh, challenge us to a drinking contest instead of handling the uh, affairs of the business? Let us know. Email us at hellinacellphone at gmail.com. Get updates on Facebook or Twitter at Pod, or tweet at us individually. Eric at Prime Silver, Bobby at Bobby Hank, and Aaron at Slow Pass. Our theme song is There Are Traitors in Our Myths by Disco Vietnam and our artist by Alexis Yavni. Find links for both in our episode notes. 
Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back again next week with King of the Ring 1999.